20 square blocks. 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 20 square blocks. Please note that this episode contains references to sexual assault that some listeners may find disturbing. All right. Oh, too loud. All right. So I'll usually start with tell us who you are and what you do. You'll say start? I'm recording. Oh, okay. Hi, um, my name is Katrina Hill, um, and what do I do? For a start, Katrina's a talented performing artist, events manager, podcaster, and registered celebrant. But more than that, as many of her friends can attest, Katrina is a truth seeker, both on and off the stage. Every time I see something that I'm kind of interested in, your name's there. Yeah. Uh, anytime there's something on in Ballarat, I make sure that I'm a part of it. Mm. Often when these big events come from Melbourne to Ballarat, they'll bring their Melbourne crew with them. And I think it's really important that there's a Ballarat crew being represented. Uh, I, and the other thing too is if you stop doing it, you forget it. So because this is something I really, really love, if I stop practising my art, I'm going to forget it. I'm going to forget how to put together a show, how to create a character, how to stand on stage, how to help someone else put together a show. Mm. These are just skills that I think are really important to keep practising as much as possible. So you're an actor? Yep. And you're a good actor. I know that from seeing you perform. I can be good. Um, I can also be a very, very lazy actor as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you tend to stick to your lines or do you you tend to improv around a scene? You know, um, I... I did a range of these acting courses around Melbourne. Um, I paid thousands of dollars and I, I got to one called, um, guy's name is Richard Harris. No, he's, <laughs> he was a producer and director for the ABC. Um, Feidler. <laughs> no, no, he's an older dude. And I got to his, um, acting class and it was amazing. And, um, he talks about story. Story is king. And that's something that I've always, thought story Mm. is more important than the words so if the best parts of a song or a play or a musical uh the surprises the turning points um you know if it was just a bloody boring love story romeo and juliet without the death would just be so dull and common kind of like pride and prejudice oh god it's so common (laughs) It's so boring. <laughs> I have a question for you. Which see, I, I've never really understood you because I think it takes a while to actually understand uh, to 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 get you. And I think this is a great way. Um, why don't you write your own stories? Uh, I'm not very good at. I can identify the turning points in a play. I don't necessarily. Uh, I'm really crap at writing dialogue. Have you tried writing your own stories? I'm not very good at it. No, I haven't. I'll be honest with you. No, I haven't. I think you'd be good. I know what it should look like, though, but I don't know about character development and I don't know about dialogue and I don't – they're not really things – I get it when I'm on stage. Actually, no. I would probably deliver it in an unconventional way as opposed to the way I think most people would read it. I can remember this argument I had with this guy and uh, I was um, 
doing this Lola Montez out on the street at Sovereign Hill. And I delivered the lines to this guy who was playing Henry Seacamp. And I go downstairs and I deliver the lines and he stopped in the middle. And he didn't know how to reply. Like he knew what his line was. He'd done it a thousand times. But I just delivered my line differently than any of the other girls who did Lola Montez. And then I whipped him and then I went inside and he chased me inside in character, swearing, (laughs) swearing the whole way and just going, why did you do that? And I said, what do you mean? And he said, you don't do it like any of the other girls. I said, no, I don't. So it makes me, it makes it really difficult for me because you're not doing it the same way. I said, well, if you were a good actor, you would adapt. And I walked I walked into the girls' change room and he was just swearing at me heaps. It doesn't make me a good actor. Actually, it was probably a jerky thing to do, knowing that he hadn't had any acting background. That was a good line. But he's right. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't pick the to do it a conventional way or anything. I would never do that. I think it's boring. And I think crying on stage is boring too. That is the last choice I would make, conscious choice I'd make as an actor, cry on stage, because there's nowhere to go. No, that's that's it. That's it, that's it. You've taken me to the utmost point that you can actually get me to, and there's nowhere to go from Mm. there. You will have to end the play, Mm. or it's interval, or something. You've got to give the audience a break after that. And um, I won't mention the play, but there was one that a local company did, and, and the main character just cried the whole time, and it was very difficult to watch because you can't you cannot be present you can't be present it's really hard I need a break from that I, I, I need I think a good play has these good ups and up and down points how are you supposed to connect with a character that's crying all the time no of course it wouldn't be a good play I imagine it'd be a very hard thing to pull off yeah it's hard and I, I don't do it I don't know how to cry on cue hmm. I'll cry at other things heaps of other stuff I cry at <laughs> It's just, and I don't mind public crying either. I'll, I'll totally burst into tears for no apparent reason. But that's when people burst into tears. Not because, you know, angry people don't stand there pointing their finger. No. They go really quiet. That's how you know someone's angry. If they stop talking to you, they walk away, you know, they've made these conscious decisions to go, don't engage. And it's only, the, you know, the very last thing they do is screaming. So what are you currently working on? I uh, I have a podcast. <laughs> Overrated. Ah, everyone has. Everyone has a podcast. <laughs> I just saw this thing on ABC where um, uh, they had a bunch of actors saying, please, please, whatever you do during this time, don't make a podcast. <laughs> and I just went, I've already got one. We've had it for about four years, whatever. So it's called um, – so I, I used to work at Sovereign Hill. I love my job. I just want to put that out there. I absolutely adored my job at Sovereign Hill. Um, and I loved learning stuff about history. I loved telling stories because I was good how, at it. How long did you work there for? Oh, seven years. Seven so years. 2010 I started. Right. And, I um, see you only finished three years ago. Why did, why did you leave there? Did that, you're shaking your head. This did not end well. No, it didn't end well. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> but basically there was a sexual assault at Sovereign Hill and – and I was a union rep, and the mm. person who came to me said, this particular person did it, 
and the way they described it. When I was in my first year, <laughs> I stepped on lots of toes mm. at Sovereign Hill yeah. because I'm outspoken. Mm. I'm a girl. I wondered why I couldn't do any of the girl jobs. So I started applying for the boy jobs. Right. And I got them. Hmm. And I was the first to get, the first girl to get a diggings tour guide position. And I was the first girl to work in the gold pool. And you can't, like, you've got no idea how many men I pissed off getting those boy jobs. You know, people who, who just thought they were a shoo-in for the, for the gold pool job or diggings tours. And suddenly a girl was doing it. And um, uh, so I clashed with a lot of the guys really quickly uh, early on. And um, this guy, um, I get called in um, to the guy's change room. It's an emergency. It's an emergency. Um, I go into the change room and there's this guy and two other guys and the guys the two other guys are laughing and this guy's staying there with an erection saying what do you think and what I thought was you should have something interesting to show you know so because I'm 30 he's talking to you yeah he's talking to me and um, what I said to him was you're a dickhead and walked out of the room but I'm 30 right and I should have known better I I know what what they were trying to do there they they were trying to um uh, it was it was a power play, you know. Mm. They were trying to make me feel. Uh, I don't know what the right word is. Less than I was. They were trying to put me down, and I just ignored it. But it, but like an idiot, it didn't occur to me that this probably would have happened to other girls. So I started to hear stories, and um, of this person and things that he'd done, and they were kind of unsubstantiated. And then I was a union rep, and a girl came up to me. And said, um, this happened to me. And I believed her because the way it happened was exactly what happened to me. So we started We started going to... I got in trouble a lot. A lot. But this really annoyed the male managers. Was that they weren't listening. So every time a male manager didn't listen, and they're all male managers at this point, I'd go to another one and I'd go to another one. No one was listening. So this happened for two years. And eventually we work our way up to the HR manager and he does this little investigation and I'm away for two weeks and everyone said, talk to Katrina, talk to Katrina. But because I was away for two weeks on holiday, on leave, they didn't call me in. And so I didn't get to speak to the people, the outside party who were investigating. So when I come back... Was this deliberate, this time of the I investigation? Think so. It yes. just seems very coincidental. Yes, yeah. So it got brushed under the carpet. But these girls were, they started skipping work and they started being terrified in their jobs. So, because <laughs> I'm a dickhead, I wrote a letter to the CEO, <laughs> Jeremy Johnson. <laughs> well, that sounds like you kind of had to, didn't it? He, he kept saying he had this open door policy, right? Okay, well, good time to test. So I went, great, okay. This is what's going on. This person won't listen, so I went to this person. This person won't listen, so I went to this person. You have this culture inside Sovereign Hill and you don't see it, but I see it. I work in it every day and this is what I've had to put up with. Anyway, I didn't get a reply and then a week later I see him out walking around in costume and I approached him. I said, hi, Jeremy Johnson, do you have a moment to talk to me? My name's Katrina. (laughs) So he had his cane with him and he stamped his cane down and he said, I know exactly who you are. 
Never in my, I don't know what he said, 14 years or 17 years as CEO has anyone ever sent me an email like that. I do not have the time to talk to you. And I went, can we walk and talk? I have to be at the Gold Museum is what he said. Could I walk you to the front door? No. (laughs) He stamped his cane and he walked off. A day later, I get called into HR because apparently I had threatened the CEO. (laughs) And I said, well, actually, no. He said he had an open-door policy. I sent him a letter and he wouldn't listen. So I I got in trouble. I had six people telling me off for having done that. So I went to the courier. No one's listening. So I was at school, I was doing this digital media course at Federation Uni, and I get this text and it just says, watch the news. So I just switch on the news and I'm watching it on my computer screen. Sovereign Hill has been awarded Victoria's best tourist attraction four years in a row. And now it's on the list of institutions marred by allegations of sexual assault and misconduct. I was absolutely terrified because I'm not, I'm not scared of anything ever, except regret. But I was terrified, kind of in a way, to go back to work. I'd had, I had about three more weeks on my roster after this happened and I was terrified to go in there because everyone knew I'd done this. People who I thought were my friends would actually stop talking to me and then strangers who I'd never met would just give me a pat on the back. I would walk into the staff room and everyone would walk out. Hmm. So I started doing this thing for like three weeks left on my roster before the next roster came out. I gave them all my availability and then the next roster comes out, I'm not rostered on. Hmm. And then the next one, I'm not rostered on for the whole month when prior to that I'd been getting three, four shifts a week. They just cut me out. And this went on for months and months and months. And I got bullied. I got messages sent to me from staff members two or three times a week just on Facebook. I just got the shit bullied out of me. I was being super nice to people. I didn't speak to anyone. They didn't want to speak to me. People would just literally stop talking to me. Uh, I was talking to someone in the main street and um, a manager walked up and um, there was a group of us, maybe four of us, and he said, these aren't their real names, but hi, Tom, hi, Katie, hi, Jane and then just looked at me and walked off. It was a manager who did that. See, I don't understand this. You didn't do anything wrong. Yeah, but I I was the most vocal about it. I was very vocal about it. Everyone knew it was me. Well, what did you do wrong? You went to Well, you're right. I went to management. I made... I had someone come up to me and say, we don't really condone sexual harassment or assault in a workplace... But I've got daughters. People have asked my daughters what's going on at work and they shouldn't be put in that position. I said, no, they shouldn't be put in a position of sexual harassment, should they? And they were mad at me because, you know, lots of people take pride in Sovereign Hill and they should because it's it's an awesome place to work except for the rampant nepotism and... Uh, <laughs> bullying and sexual harassment that goes on. Apart from that, it's a kick-ass job. Right, right. Yeah. 
The complainants told the Ballarat Courier the incidents involved a male staff member who's accused of groping a fellow employee and exposing himself to another. The CEO of Sovereign Hill fronted the media late this afternoon defending the sexual harassment policies they have in place. Media reports in recent hours have detailed a set of allegations that Sovereign Hill managed through an independent investigation. I go to the Courier, there's this big article in the newspaper. A couple of days later, Jeremy Johnson's doing this press release. You don't know what threatened is. You, you told everyone that I'd threatened you. And then I thought to myself, that's what threatened is. You know what I mean? What did you think would happen? You're not listening to it. You scared him, you didn't threaten him. I scared him, and the paper threatened him. <laughs> and it was wonderful watching him squirm. We should be telling the whole truth, not a part truth. And I think that's very important for me. I think, I don't know, you mentioned something earlier on that, uh, you know, it's difficult to figure out who you are as a person. I tell the truth. Probably at the incorrect times, but I'll tell it. Like, <laughs> I won't lie to you. I think what, I'll, I'll tell you what I think you this will, person yeah. thinks, and this is what I think. And I'll make it a point of going, look how uncomfortable they are. You know, I'll point it out. And I think people uh, can be threatened by that. By feeling uncomfortable. But, you know, my closest friends, I think, respect me because I tell them the truth. Even on stage, tell the truth. Be truthful in the way you perform. Thanks to Katrina Hill. And make sure you check out her podcast, Tales from Rat City. Music, as always, by Ryan Goodwin. Check out his other music at virtuallyryan.com. Additional material written by Anne Murison. Editing by Ricky Cheno. The logo is designed by Chris Frith. I'm Ben Plaza, and this is 20 Square Blocks.